This is KMTT. This is Ezra Bick, and this is the weekly Shi'ur on Parshat HaShavua. This week's Parsha, Parshat Mishpatim. The transition from Parshat Yitro to Parshat Mishpatim is, is, is rather drastic and startling. Luckily, we read it a week apart, and therefore we don't always, we don't always notice. Parashat Yitro is obviously one of the grandest, uh, a parasha completely uh, characterized by, by the grandeur, the fire, the thunder, the kol shofar, matan Torah, Har Sinai, one of the one of the climaxes of the narrative in the Torah. Parashat Mishpatim is one legal, two civil law, three mostly taught law, very detailed halachot of Dinei Abadim, Dinei Shomrim, Dinei Nezikin, taught law, uh, uh, different kinds of taught law, stealing. And while it's very interesting, uh, from the Shiva point of view, Mesechet Babakama, Mesechet Bamatsia are the heart of what one does in, in learning Gemara. In contrast to the previous Pasha, it's like going from night to day. And it's a commonplace. I mean, everyone has heard this, and, it, and it's true. That the Torah is making a pointer. Right after Matan Torah, it says, Okay, I've given you the Torah, and now teach them the Mishpatim, the, um, the laws. Mishpatim, almost always these kind of laws. And uh, any person noticing this, any rabbi speaking on this parsha, is at some point or other going to mention how this indicates how important in Torah life the laws of Ben Adam Lechavero are. Now, as you might have expected, the right after Matan Torah, we'll be talking about uh, really important things, Aliyala uh, Regel, the Chagim. Yeah, those are important things, but right away the Torah is telling you this other area of the Torah which sometimes perhaps we've tended to ignore and haven't emphasized enough. Mitzvot Shana Ben Adam Lechavero. Honesty. Taking care of other people's property. Very, very important. That's a 100% correct point. And yet, and yet, it's still a little bit surprising. Remember again, this is immediately after Matan Torah. And the Pasha begins with the Vav, Ve'ela Mishpatim, which Chazal noticed. And they asked why it says Vav. Rashi, the first Rashi on the Pasha, points out Ve'ela Mishpatim, Komakom Shinamar Ela, Pasalat Arishonim, Ve'ela Mosip Arishonim. Ve'ela means that it's coming to add these to the previous ones. The previous ones were Bahar Sinai. It was given in Har Sinai. So, so too these rather mundane civil laws. They're like human, much more human laws. No, no, they're also from Har Sinai. Okay, so that's an important lesson about the importance of civil law. But, but still, there are other ways to have said that. Why is this the first thing that Moshe tells, that God tells Moshe to teach the Jews immediately after the, uh, the theophany of giving of the Torah and Har Sinai and the recitation of Aseret HaDibot is to get involved in the laws of Ever Ivri, 
Vörö. Stealing. Hitting one another. People who fight. Animals which cause damage. Why is that the direct continuation? So I'm not coming to contradict what we just said. It's, it's for sure it's correct. I want to maybe I'm not I'm not even going to add to it. I want to understand it in a particular in a particular manner. Specifically, I'm going to ask another question. Okay, laws between man and his fellow man are very important. If I would ask you on one foot, tell me a law between man and his fellow man, you would probably answer. If not, I will answer for you. You should love thy neighbor as yourself. It's not mentioned in this Pasha. It's way, way later. Pashat Kedoshim in Sefer Bayikra. The first law that's mentioned here is The very first law, these are the laws which you should teach them. The first one is the laws of a Jewish slave, Eved Ivri, who works six years and the seventh year he goes free. Although, if he asks to stay, refuses to go out, so then he gets to stay longer. In this passage it says, Le'olam, Sefer Dvarim, we learn that Le'olam means till the Jubilee year, till the end of the 50th year. If I had any question as to why civil law comes right after the Matan Torah, the very first law is about Ebed Ivri. It's not, about, not even about being nice to my neighbor. It has to do with a very particular how many years does an Evid Ivri work? So I think the answer is obvious. And I want to take this answer and then spin it out for the rest for the rest of the or for a lot of the rest of the Pasha. I think that the laws of Ebed Ivri come first because the notion of freedom and slavery is essential to Har Sinai. To Matan Torah. And not for what you might think the obvious reason, it's essential to Yitziat Mitzrayim. They left Egypt to be free. But the connection isn't here to leaving Egypt, it's to Matan Torah. And I think what the Torah is saying here is that Matan Torah. The giving of the Torah by God to the Jews at Har Sinai and their acceptance of the Torah is the basis, creates the conditions for human freedom within Jewish within Jewish society. Now there are two sides to this. You're probably asking yourself, but it's not about human freedom, it's about human slavery. Yeah, that's true. That's the whole point. One, Matan Torah makes you all free. Free means, I can say this in a one-liner, because it's not the point now, you are the servants of God, and therefore you're free. And if we said that in Hebrew, so the translation would actually be, you are the slaves of God, and therefore you're free. But the Jews are free, and therefore it's, 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 it's necessary to qualify the economic institution of slavery which does exist. So first of all, the Torah says that it's very limited. Jewish slavery, as opposed to non-Jewish slavery. There was something called an Evet Kana'ani. Non-Jewish slaves, which are owned by Jews in the ancient times, have a different set of laws. But a Jewish slave, Ki Tekne Evet Ivri, it turns out only works for six years. 
which basically means that he's not a slave at all. It's inherent in the concept of slavery that it doesn't end on its own. Contracts end after six years. Um, if you sign a, uh, a work contract, it ends after one year, two years, three years, or six years. But it doesn't end. Slavery does not end on its own. So first of all, the Torah is qualifying and limiting the notion of slavery, and that's right after Matan Torah. And what's more, and this, I think anyone who's looked at this is familiar with, Chazal's comment on the second half of the story of Abedivi, there is an implied negative attitude towards the institution of slavery altogether, which is part and parcel of the institution. Without going into um, like why the Torah doesn't ban slavery, and that's something which needs to be discussed at length. But the Pasha indicates there's an institution, it exists, it's part of the economic system. The Torah says you should avoid it. And if you don't avoid it, it's limited. And if it's not limited, then we're simply going to say there's something wrong here. And that's the famous comment that Chazal make, which Rashi brings, on the Ebed Ivi who refuses, voluntarily refuses to go out after six years. If the slave shall say, I love my master. My wife, who is a non-Jewish slave, and the children. These aren't, these aren't terrible things. Loving your master might be a bit cynical, but nonetheless we know it occurs. He was very good to him, the master. Surely he could love his wife and his children. I'd rather remain a slave with these benefits, with this structure, the social structure. It's called a slave marriage. Lo I am not choosing freedom. So it works. We don't we don't force him to go out. And and so he he works forever, it says Forever means the fiftieth year, but he works forever. But there's a little ceremony that takes place. The word Elohim here means the court. Unculus translates Elohim as Dayana'a, the judges. Not the only time in Pashat Mishpatim where the judges will be called Elohim. He takes him to the doorpost. He puts a hole in his ear. Chazal comment, Rashi quotes, well, what, what's going on here? What's with the hole in the ear? Rashi explains, this is, a, this is a message. Ozen, Zot, Shashamal Har Sinai, Lotignov, so first of all, if he's a slave because he was he was sold into slavery because he was a thief, and he's choosing to remain such. So we put a hole in his ear because his ear heard at Har Sinai that you shouldn't ever come to these conditions. You shouldn't steal, and therefore you won't be you won't be sold. But the best the, the next line is even better. He didn't sell himself because he's because he was sold into slavery. He sold himself because he needed the money. Ozen, 
ששמעת הר סיני כי לי בני ישראל עבדים. His ear heard at הר סיני. The Jews are slaves to God. והלך וקנה אדון לעצמו, and he went and he made himself a slave to somebody else. There's something wrong with his ear. In other words, there's a message. It's not the general human desire for freedom or, or uh, rebelliousness. There's a message at Har Sinai that said, you should not be a slave. Now, for, for reasons which really need to be investigated fully, the Torah doesn't choose to outlaw slavery, but it makes it second class. It puts a hole in your ear, if you choose it, to show that you missed the message of Har Sinai. This, I think, is the key to understanding the rest of the Pasha. The connection between Pashat Mishpatim and Har Sinai isn't that you know, a, a good society is part of the Torah. We know that, I know that, you know that, and it, it's important and it's true, and it could have been emphasized in other ways as well. What the Torah is saying is that the relationships within society of property and life, and the protection of life and property, for the Jewish people derive from something which took place at Har Sinai, not necessarily the statutes themselves, but the very being at Har Sinai. Meeting God, becoming, in the words I just read, the slaves of God. I'll translate that. Becoming the society which meeting God has made, that society has standards which if you break them, you are uprooting, you are, you are injuring the fabric of the holy society. Remember that when God came to give the Torah to Am Yisrael, His very first, his very first uh, uh, statement, the introduction of what He was saying, was to say that, I'm going to give them the Torah, but... It's in order to create a society based on their relationship with me. In the beginning of Yitro, uh, when they first came in the third month to Midbar Sinai, God said, tell the Jews, Ra'ata, and now, Im shamawa tishma'o bekoli u'shmatem et briti ve'yitam li segula mikol ha'amim ki li kol ha'aret v'atem tiyu li mamlechet kolim begoi kadosh. If you observe my mitzvot and you maintain my covenant, then you will be for me a segula from all the peoples and you will be a kingdom of priests, a kingdom of servants, that's what the word Kohen means, a kingdom of servants and a holy nation. Accepting the Torah, meeting God in Sinai made Jewish society into a holy nation. Ve'ela mishpatim and therefore, therefore, these are the rules of that society. Remember, if I was coming now to say, listen, you've come to Hasi now, you get the Torah, you individual have to be a holy person. So there, I'm not sure, I mean, there's no question that acting as a holy person requires you to act ethically. But I think there would be a lot of talk immediately about, you should be Shomashabbos. 
You should daven. You should, you should be a holy person. There's all kinds of things to do. But it's not about your being a holy person. It's about your being a goy kadosh, a holy society. A holy society is one in which God is present. He's one of the, well, he's the king. God is one of the constituent factors of what makes a society a society. Very different than any other society on earth. And therefore, certain things could potentially destroy. They're they're an attack on the nature of that society. The first thing is slavery. Slavery is impugns the nature of the holy society. If they were all slaves, they would there wouldn't be a Jewish society. That's obvious. That's why freedom from Egypt came before Matan Torah. Slaves can have a religion, but slaves can't have the Torah. So now they're all free. But there are some people who, for one reason or another, one halachic necessity, if he stole and has no money, he sold into slavery by the court. Two, because he did it on his own, which is less honorable. But in any event, it's not honorable. It's a problem. It's undermining society, although the Torah doesn't, doesn't out, out, outlaw it, but it regulates in such a way that it should not be jackal too deep. There is no permanent, no permanent slavery in Judaism. Let us continue with the list of, uh, of, of, the, of the mitzvot. There's Amayvi, which is the same thing, the female version of a Jewish slave. And uh, then you have the following very, very short halachot. ish vameit mot yumat. If you kill somebody, you die. Now, you say to me, that has to do with Jewish society. Nine Jews also are not allowed to kill. It's one of the Sheva Mitzvot B'nai Noach. That's true. And in fact, think about the basis in the seven Noahide lords of why one cannot kill. Shofech dam ha'adam ba'adam damo yishafach ki b'tselem elokim asata adam. He who sheds the blood of another man, his blood shall be shed, for man was created in the image of God. It's a beautiful thought. It says that killing another human being is an attack on the image of God, which is the nature of man. I think now the Torah is saying it again, not to contradict the first point, but to reorient the point in the context of Judaism. If you kill any man, you've attacked the image of God. If a Jew kills another Jew, he's, destru- he's injured the holy society. It doesn't contradict the first reason. It's an added dimension. If he did it on purpose, then he dies. If he did it by accident, he didn't plan it, it wasn't premeditated. Somehow God has caused it to take place. So then he goes to Galut. A third pasuk about murder. If a man has killed another man in premeditation, killing him stealthily, then even for my altar shall you take him to be killed. This is an interesting halacha. To this day, at least in Western societies, I don't know what's the, whether it's true in other societies, but in Western society, the concept of sanctuary exists. To some extent, 
there's always a lot of tension with civil civil authorities. But to some extent, places of worship become places of sanctuary. Criminals who are there, police do not go into the church, do not go into the place of worship to take him out, depending on the crime. And here the Torah is saying that it doesn't work for murder, even if he's holding on to the horns of the, of the altar. But a murderer should be taken from the Mizbeach, from the altar, and he should be killed. And I think the point is exactly what I just said. There apparently is a good reason to imagine that, uh, okay, if you're protecting society, that's a wonderful thing. You should kill murderers. You should, you should, get, you, you should, you should do away with them. But, but if he's inside the sanctuary, if he's holding on to the altar then by going in to arrest him, you're, you're desecrating. You're desecrating the holy place. We don't allow policemen to desecrate the holy place, even though they're doing the right thing. That's the thought. And it's, it's the thought of the Torah, which it's negating, and it's the thought of a lot of people to this day. The Torah says it's wrong. And I think the reason is because if it was merely a civil offense, then it could be that God's honor... Respecting God's holy place takes precedence over uh, taking care of your own society. But there aren't any two foci here. God's holy place and our society. Our society is God's holy place. We're dealing with the Goy Kadosh. With the society in which God is one of the constituents in the societies organized around Him. And therefore... In the language of Chazal, the Mizbeach, the altar, ejects him. Of course, take him even from the Mizbeach. Because his presence there is deleterious. His presence there injures the presence of God in the world. The next halacha, Makeh Aviv Imomot Yumat. One who strikes his father and doesn't kill him. Striking your father or your mother. It's an amazing halacha, which obviously, you know, we, haven't, we don't see very often. But according to Din Torah, if a person strikes his mother or his father, he should be killed. There's no such law in the seven Noahide laws. Nor should there be. Our, our, our instinct is that it's, that, it's, that it's over the top. You kill somebody because he struck, he struck his parent. I mean, it's a terrible thing to strike your parent. Mekalel aviv imomot yumat. If you curse your parent, you die. So the Torah is expressing a very, very negative view. I'm not interested in the in the actual uh, execution, the, the the nature of the penalty. I'm interested in the list. Within the holy society, so parents represent the connection to God. It's based on Hasinai. But you and I, we weren't at Hasinai. Chazal say we were. How do we know we were at Hasinai? What, what do we know about Hasinai? It's through our parents. Our parents are the connection, door achar door, generation after generation, father after son after father after grandfather. That's our connection to Hasinai. That glue is what makes us to this day the holy society and the kingdom of priests. Attacking it. An act of, of basically of insult, cursing or hitting, doesn't have terrible results. Curse probably doesn't work. 
The hitting could be very light. But an attack on that chain is an attack on the holy society, and therefore, the Torah is listing that one, it's also, and two, there's a very, very serious repercussion. Um, kidnapping, human kidnapping. Where you sell, you kidnap somebody to sell him to slavery. Motumat. Again, it's an attack on. If this if this wasn't Pashat Mishpatim, I would say it's an attack on human dignity. Because it's Pashat Mishpatim, I say it's an attack on the dignity of God's society, of God's kingdom. If you hit a slave, a slave's a second rate. Many societies will not punish at all, or perhaps not even prohibit, a, a owner, a slave owner, from striking and hurting or even killing his slave. So one, the Torah says that, that that's not true. If you kill a slave, then you will die. But I don't only think the Torah is simply saying Allah, which is true. It's saying it in context. Within Jewish society, there are slaves. In this case, we're talking about an Eved Kena'ani. But he's part of Jewish society. He's an integral part of Jewish society. And therefore, killing one is once again. It could be from the point of view of property, as slave owners would think. It's possible that from the point of view of property, I, 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 would, I would not take his death seriously. I, I know it's a slashing to say, but, it, but, it, but it's possible. But in any event, in Jewish society, it's impossible. Because he's an integral part of the kingdom of priests, of the kingdom of, uh, of, of the, uh, the kingdom of priests and the holy nation. And therefore, killing him, just like other people, is extremely serious because it's undermining the nature of what Hasinai did. This is followed by other halachot. Again, these are, these are tactical halachot. Not that each halacha expresses a deep, a deep notion. If you strike a pregnant woman, and she aborts. So the halacha says that's, that's not considered to be murder. But there's still a penalty to be paid. And the ending of this section. Nefesh tachat nefesh, ayin tachat ayin, shen tachat shen, yad tachat yad, regel tachat ragel, kviyat tachat kviyat, petza tachat petza, petza tachat patza, chabura tachat chabura. We all know because I'll explain that ayin tachat ayin and eye for an eye means paying money. And I imagine many of us ask the question, so why doesn't it say pay? Why does it say ayin tachat ayin? And the answer which you usually hear, which is quite correct, is that, okay, it means money, but it's trying to indicate the severity. You really should lose your eye if you took out someone's eye because the money doesn't replace the eye that you took out. You're not actually compensating him properly. You compensate him anyhow because there's no other way to do it, but Morally, it should be ayin tachanayin. Okay, that's true, but pay attention to to the to the the length of this of this verse. A soul for a soul, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a hand for a hand, a foot for a foot, a burn for a burn, a wound for a wound, a contusion for a contusion. Why is it, why it, it's it's all they mean? Pay money. You can almost feel the emotion running through this pasuk. That every pigia, every injury to a member of the holy society is, is, is basically 
unforgivable. So in Allah, in the Allah of the Maisa, you're going to pay. But you should really have to give up your own life for his life. You really have to put it back together. I think what the words are saying is that if you take out his eye, you have to give him another eye. It can't be done. But you, we, we can't stand the fact that this injury took place. All this is the direct result of what Hasinai did. What Hasinai did, aside from giving me and you and him the Torah, Hasinai created a unique society based on God's presence within the society. The society exists in order to serve him. I'm going to speed up my reading of the list since we're running out of time. The Torah goes on to um, tort law, society which show a lot of animals, oxen, and other animals. What happens if they injure, first of all, a person? It begins right away, If an animal kills a person, Halacha understands these psukim. One of the laws is that if an animal kills a person, uh, you kill the animal. Kill the animal, you also kill his owner. You don't kill the owner in the end. The owner can pay off. The owner should die. But he can pay it off with money. But the animal gets killed. Chazal comment that killing the animal is a judicial thing. The laws of judging. Sounds almost silly. The animal's an animal. You can't judge an animal. If you want to get rid of it because he's dangerous, then get rid of it because he's dangerous. You don't have to judge him. But the point is, again, it's not just a, a tragedy. A person died in an accident. A person dies in an accident, we're sorry. If my ox goes another person, there's been an attack on the holy society. And therefore, the owner of that animal should die because nefesh tacha nefesh. Okay, he doesn't die. He pays. And the animal dies because the animal was the instrument. The animal embodies a, a destruction of the perfectness, the perfection of Mamlechet Kalanim. And finally, I'm going to skip because I've run out of time. After the laws of personal injury comes the laws of uh, Shomrim. It's an unusual thing because l- l- last year I learned Baba Kama. We learned Perik Maruba, which is the chapter dealing with stealing. And uh, it's a long chapter. And uh, the Pasuk, which counts, is, is a Pasuk in Mishpatim. In truth, stealing doesn't exist in Mishpatim. It's the laws of, of, of watching over objects. But as part of watching over objects, if the object is stolen... It says that he has to pay double when you catch him and etc, etc, etc. And here, like the Pasuk I mentioned in the beginning, once again, the Dayanim are called Elohim. Somebody stole something from the house of the person watching it. So when he scored, he has to pay double. If you don't catch the uh, the thief, so the person who was in charge, the person who was who was uh, the guard, the the shomer, has to pay. But if it's not his fault, he doesn't have to pay. So it's not his fault. But he has to take an oath. So he 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 goes before Elohim means dayanim, it means judges. But they're called God. 
Beautiful idea. Judges are like God. But here, in Pashat, the other, in, in Pashat Shoftim, judges are called judges. Pashat Mishpatim, judges are called God. And then you have a Pasuk, which is again in context only about this Halacha. And that's how it's understood halachically. But in, in language, it's, it's, a, it's a summation of, of much more. Al kold pesha on every act of injury, al shor, al chamor, al sel, al salma, for an ox or a donkey or a sheep or a piece of, of a garment, al kovedah sheyomar ki yuzeh ad Elohim yavod vashneim. They should come before the judges who are called Elohim, and he has to swear, and if he's and and if we catch the thief, he has to pay double. Why are judges called Elohim? It's not only the beautiful vote that says that judgment is the voice of God because judgment is based on Torah and Torah is the voice of God. It's 100% true. When you go before a court and the court paskins the halacha, they're not speaking in their own name. They're speaking in the name of God. But I think it's more here. The injured party of all of these parashiyot, all of these laws, was God, meaning God's society. If a human being, somewhat delusional, could say, L'etat c'est moi, the state is I, Louis the, Louis the 14th. But by God it's true. Mamlechet Kohanim means, means the royal kingdom of God. And therefore, if you've injured it, you have to give an accounting before God. Practically speaking, you give an accounting before judges. And the word Elohim means judges in certain contexts. But it's because... Your accounting is to God. And why is your accounting to God? Because you've gone over, you've, you've transgressed God's law? I don't think so. But because the dispute, the monetary dispute, is injurious to God's society. And therefore, the accounting is to God how to make the society better is because we need to have Mamlechet Konim Vegoy Kadosh. It's not human dignity. It's not the image of God. Those are mankind criteria. But rather, it's our membership in a society, Ben Adam Lechavero, not my individual status, my membership in a society where the society itself is God's presence on earth. And this will continue in Moha Lachot, which I have no time to read, till we get to the very, very end of uh, of this section, which goes on dealing with other laws from Choshen and Mishpat. And finally, at the end of the Pasha, we will see that all this is called a Brit. This is called the Covenant. The Covenant here means, not just we agree to do what God says and God agrees to be our God. The Covenant means creating the covenantal community a society based on its covenant with God, which also binds us together. And that was not merely a, a, a outcome of Matan Torah, that was the very purpose of Matan Torah. I'm giving you the mitzvot so that you should be Mamlechet Kohanim Kadash. Shabbat Shalom Umevorach.